0: This program is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and
1: Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as NatureN, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil, and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scots Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au.
2: Hello, and welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Darren Sienaugh, and I'm super excited to be here. We've got a great show coming up today. Here's what's coming up. We'll join Love the Garden for some great fertilising tips. I'll show off one of my favourite plants from my own garden. And as always, we'll answer all your questions. We'd love to hear you, so hear from you, so put your questions in the comments below. First up, we have some unanswered questions from last week. Jimmy from Perth has a problem with his plums getting eaten by bugs every year before he gets to pick any, and he wants a natural solution to this problem. Well, Jimmy, the best way to go is to exclude the pests from your fruit. So exclusion bags, which are available at all the garden centers, or exclusion netting, which will protect the entire tree from any pests you can care to name. It's a fantastic way to go, and it's 100% safe. Shelly from Perth is wondering, do worms have a season where they tend to breed up a lot more? She's finding them very slow over winter. Well, Shelly, most of these sort of things tend to do their best work in the warmer months. So as we come through spring and into summer, you should see your worm populations breeding up quickly. Karen from Melbourne has a peacherine that she bought in early July and now she has a problem that the leaves are coming out and they're infected with leaf curl. She really needed to have sprayed in winter when the tree was dormant and just at bud burst. It's a bit late to spray them now. You can put a copper spray on and that will help, but make sure when you get to winter next year that you spray the plant and you do it two or three times. Cleaning up any um, leaves as they fall, infected leaves as they fall at this time of the year will also help and prevent more uh, infection next year. Desley from Brisbane, she has a cherry tomato. She's growing in Brisbane and she wants to prevent wilt and wants to know what to do. Well, the best thing with the cherry tomatoes is make sure your seeds are certified virus-free so you get good healthy seed to start with and you're not planting them in the same area that you grew the cherry tomatoes the year before. Linda from Macedonia, uh, Macedon, sorry, in Victoria, has a border of arthropodiums, which are a beautiful, strap leaf plant, a little bit like an agapanthus, and the leaves have been eaten by tiny snails. And she wants to suge- a suggestion to keep the snails at bay, but without using snail pellets. Well, the best way to keep any snails at bay from any of your plants, if you don't want to use snail pellets, is to track them. So you can do a beer trap, where you place a small amount of beer in a shallow dish, that'll attract the snails, and they'll fall in there and drown. Or you can use things like um, upside down, grapefruit shells and those sort of things, anything that will attract the snails into, then you can pick them up, either throw them in the bin or throw them into the chooks. Alex from Sydney has uh, succulents on her front porch and she's noticed that a bunch of little flying bugs are flying around and damaging the succulents, causing them to fall apart. Um, This is actually probably more to do with the soil that the succulents are growing in. I'm guessing it's staying too moist isn't getting a chance to dry out between watering and that's attracting the bugs, which are probably not causing the damage to the succulents, but are attracted by the the wet soil, which is in fact the problem. So keep your soil a little bit drier and you should see succulents thriving a lot better. Michelle in Brisbane is in a state that is full of clay and nothing seems to grow in a garden and wants to know how to make a crop happy. Well, in heavy clay soils, sometimes the best option is to build up. So go in raised garden beds so you can build up um, with sleepers or brick walls or something like that so, and then put really good free-draining soil into the garden beds and your plants will be a lot happier than trying to grow in heavy clay. If you have to plant in the heavy clay, it's a great idea to add lots of compost and organic material to try and open the clay up. And look for plants that are naturally suited to clay. There's plenty around. Uh, we're joined today by a very special guest, Luke Williams from Love the Garden. How are you today, Luke? Yeah, doing really well. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Now, can you tell us who is Love the Garden? Yeah,
1: sure. So Love the Gardens uh, it's basically a house of brands. So so we're actually Evergreen Garden Care, um, formerly known as Scots Australia, but, but Love the Gardens essentially a home of, of all our brands like Osmocote, Lawn Builder, uh, Debco. Uh, there's a whole heap of information you'll find there. DIY videos, um, just giving giving everyone a chance to learn more about gardens, essentially.
2: Oh, excellent, well, Scotts and all those names. and names would be very familiar to a lot of gardeners and um, products that are very, very popular. Now, Luke, why do you want a healthy lawn?
1: Um, Dan, I'm pretty pretty passionate about my lawn. Most people that, that know me will uh, will definitely attest to that. Um, aesthetically, I guess uh, it makes the property look. Well, quite nice, and uh, I'm pretty passionate about having a nice green, luscious lawn, but, but most importantly for me, it's really just about having a nice patch for my kids uh, to play on, good for the summer barbecues and uh, entertaining, etc. But But, um, yeah, pretty passionate about my lawn, for
2: sure. Yeah, you can't, you can't bet a good, healthy lawn for a play surface. I've got boys that play cricket and footy, so our lawn gets a, a lot of use as well. Um, if your grass is green, what extra value do people get from fertilising? You know, if you're already a green-looking green lawn.
1: Yeah, look, so look, probably the most common question I get asked about lawns is uh, is people having problems with weeds. Um, you know, weeds overtake the lawn, and the first question I'll ask them is, is do you fertilise? And I can safely say the majority of the people that, that will answer that question don't, and that's why they're having a problem with weeds. So... Fertilising your lawn, uh, although, you know, it'll, it'll green your grass up and whatnot, the, the added benefit really is that what you're doing is, is thickening the grass so much that it crowds out of the weeds, it effectively doesn't give the, the weeds any chance to germinate. So you get green grass, um, you know, some products like our Extreme Green in as little as three days, um, but really effectively you're just you're giving yourself such a nice base of grass that, that weeds just won't have a chance to grow.
2: Yeah, and, and just having a healthy lawn makes it more resilient to all the other pests and problems people talk about with their lawns as well. And it's a a much easier way than trying to control the weeds manually or spraying them and all those sort of things. So yeah, it makes a lot of of sense. So what is slow release? Why is a slow release fertilizer a better option for your lawn?
1: Yeah, right. So um, our our Lawn Builder, Scott's Lawn Builder products, uh, are a three-month slow release product. So uh, when you apply the, the fertilizer, instead of just feeding in one big dump, it will slowly break down over the three months. That does two things. It stops surge growth, so it means that you're not going to be putting your fertiliser out and the grass is going to be growing crazily, you'll be on the mow every second day. Um, But what it also does is it stops the waste of nutrients, so the time-release technology basically eliminates any of the waste uh, through runoff and leaching. So um, really, really clever technology. Uh, You'll get that that seasonal feed, but, yeah, especially uh, beneficial that you're still feeding your lawn but without having to mow it, you know, every second day.
2: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, leaching, fertilizer leaching is a massive um, problem in Perth. So we have very sandy soils, and uh, applying heavy amounts of lawn fertilizer in one go, and it just leaches through the water table so quickly. So they're they're slow release.
1: There are they're low phosphorus, so it means that generally they can be used safely anywhere in Australia without posing any risk to, to ground or surface water.
2: Oh, that's that's fantastic. And when are the key times to fertilise? And generally, how often a year would you do? Because I know a lot of people do wonder about that when to fertilise and how regularly they should do it.
1: Yeah, Some people get a bit excited and and want to throw some fertilisers out there, you know, every couple of weeks. But really, uh, the recommendation is just three times a year. So we would always suggest that you're feeding once in autumn, uh, coming up again into spring. So now, obviously, being a perfect time of year to, to fertilise, and then again in summer. Um, most lawns in Australia generally go dormant in winter, um, so feeding generally isn't required. Um, and if you've got a good fertilising regime throughout the rest of the year, your lawn's generally strong enough to survive frosts and cold winters anyway. So um, three times a year is ample, um, in, so autumn, uh, spring and summer.
2: And they're pretty easy to put out. It's not a, not a difficult job to, to fertilise your lawn, is it? Yeah, 100%.
1: So um, you can apply uh, the granular fertiliser by hand if you want to do that, but we always recommend that you use a spreader. I actually have a spreader over here um, to show you. So... One of the hand spreaders like this um, has a gauge on it. It controls how much product will go through. Um, depending on the product that you're using, it will tell you uh, what what rate that needs to go through this this spreader. And what that's going to do is going to give you a really even coverage and a really even feed. Um, the the granules in in Scott's Lawn Builder are homogenous, so it means that that each little granule contains all the nutrients, rather than sort of one granule being this, one granule being that. So with a with a spreader, you'll get a really nice even feed, as opposed to throwing it out in hand, you know, with your hand and generally when you do that you're throwing it in clumps and, and it can lead to burning so if you're applying it with the uh with the spreader absolutely guaranteed not to burn
2: yeah that's um makes a lot of sense to me because i know myself fertilizing big areas of the lawn for clients uh, the spreader makes a lot easier to do it by hand now just one more question um, just in the background there can i see a richmond tiger poster
1: you, you sure do. You go to the tigers.
2: Oh, see, nobody told me that you're a Tigers fan before it started. I, I don't. I don't know whether I could have could have sat through this chat with you if I'd known that.
1: all there, but um, yeah, I did my best to cover. But uh, no, proud Tigers supporter. So go to the
2: tigers. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, anyhow, thanks very much for your time, Luke. That's some great information there, and um, I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of it. And hopefully, they'll have as good a lawn as yours. Mm-hmm. So back to the questions. Um, we've got yari has got a problem with plums. So another plum problem, heaps of flowers and small fruit, but the fruit drops off. So this could be um, numerous things that could causing that issue. This time of the year, uh, Yari hasn't said where he's at, but some parts of Australia and Perth in particular, we get a lot of wind at this time of year, and the, the strong winds will knock the, the, lo- um, the very small fruits off. Um, you could have something like a, a possum or rats getting in there and eating them and dropping them off. And also just your fertiliser regime. When the plums are actively growing through summer, you've got to make sure that they're getting a well-balanced, complete fertiliser with a lot of potassium so that the tree is strong and healthy and has the capacity to hold the fruit. But also fruit trees do sometimes produce a lot more fruit than they can carry and they will shed a lot of fruit naturally. So it depends on how much fruit you're getting at the end of the season, if they're carrying sufficient fruit through for you to get a decent crop, whether it's really something you need to worry about. Um, Rowan's got a problem with mandarin splitting. It's only just started happening. Generally, the problem with citrus splitting comes from uh, irregular watering. So the tree's watering out, uh, drying out a lot between watering and then it's getting a large amount of water in one go the skin of the fruit can't grow fast enough, contain it and it splits. So just make sure you're keeping your soil moisture consistent uh, at a consistent rate. So not drying out and then getting really wet and then drying out and getting really wet. And that should solve the problem. Cherie in Melbourne has a bird of paradise that gets soaked in the Melbourne weather and the leaves are browned and dyed. Can it be revived? Well, it can do. It's probably suffering a little bit from a root rot disease. Um, If she says she's lifted it and repotted it, I would keep it a little on the drier side, don't overwater it, and waiting for the warmer weather to come through and you should see some fresh growth. To be on the safe side, you might wanna apply a broad spectrum fungicide on it just to kill any of that fungus that's built up while it was so wet. Jenny in Perth wants to know about planting capsicum chili plants near each other and have the bees pollinate the flowers and wonders whether the capsicums will get spicy because of the cross-pollination. Well, this will not happen. That's not how it works. The fruit production is set by the genetics of the plant already. What you would find is if you grew the seeds from the capsicum that had been cross-pollinated with the chilies, then you could get spicier capsicums or milder chilies from cross-pollinating each other. But the fruits that are produced from this year, from these plants that are already growing, Won't be affected by that cross-pollination and the more bees the better the more fruit you'll get and i have audrey wants to know do cottonwoods have invasive roots and how far apart should you plant them the cottonwoods which is a type of hibiscus do have very vigorous root systems and they will spread out quite away Um, you can plant them very close together because they don't sort of out compete each other they're happy growing quite close to each other but they can get into other parts of the garden and they can get into the root systems of other plants who don't have uh, the, the same sort of capacity to compete with their root system. So you do need to be a little bit careful about where you plant them because they will spread into your lawn and those sort of things as well. They're not the worst plant around for a root competition, but they're still pretty strong. How do I get rid of weevils from my camellias, um, asked Kerry. Well, weevils tend to destroy the flowers and the, the, um, some of the leaves. They'll chew the leaves and make them look quite unsightly. There are some um, sprays, particularly around, that are, are suited to, for controlling these type of pests. If you go to your local garden center, they'll be able to advise you which ones are the best and what's been registered for weevil control. But with your camellias, just try and keep them really well fed, really well watered over summer, and they should be able to stand up to to some of the weevil damage. And if you're not spraying too much in the garden for other pests, you'll find the predators will come in and clean them up as well, which will really, really help. So thank you for all those questions. Keep them coming in. We'll look for them in the comments below. Now I wanna talk about my plant of the week, which is this little beauty. So a rhododendron, this is growing in my own garden. Um, they're something you don't see a lot of in Perth because they don't like the hot dry summers that we have and they don't like our sandy soils. But I live up in the hills, we've got a, a more slightly clay gravelly soil. And you will see them growing around some of the riverside suburbs where the soils are a bit heavier and you're able to keep the soils moist more easily. Rhododendrons have a very shallow root system so they do dry out very, very quickly. They're basically, I like to think of them as a, a giant azalea. So they have the same sort of growth habit, very bushy, uh, very dense, and they flower late winter, early spring, uh, right on the ends of all the branches. My plant's probably three or four meters tall and three or four meters wide and gets completely covered in flowers at this time of the year. You can barely see any of the leaves. So if you live in one of those areas that are more suited, they're worth having a go, but you might have to order one in. They're not something generally carried by a lot of the garden centres because they're not suited for most of Perth. Uh, What should you uh, be doing in your garden right now? Well, there's a couple of great things you can do and probably the best thing I'll be doing if if you don't already have an avocado tree or a mango tree in your garden, go out to the garden centres. There's some great fresh stock that I've seen personally being available for sale right now and this is the perfect time to plant them. They like to go into the soil while it's nice and moist, but while we're coming into some nice warm weather. Um, Both avocados and mangoes are available as grafted trees, so they'll fruit true to type, so you know exactly what type of fruit you're gonna get. Plus, you'll get fruit quite quickly off the grafted trees. With the mangoes, as little as three years, you'll be getting a reasonable amount of fruit. With the avocados, four to five years, and you'll start to get substantial crops. The secret with avocados is if you can have two, one from each group, there's group A and group B, the cross-pollination will make sure you get a lot more fruit. And with the price of avocados in the shops, having one growing in your garden makes a lot of sense. So uh, kangaroo paws are flowering like mad at the moment. They're looking beautiful around the place. It's their peak flowering period and the garden centers will have a huge range, a lot of different varieties to see. And a lot of really new ones, Kings Park here in Perth, do uh, breed some fantastic varieties with some unusual colours that are, are different to what we normally see. And they'll be coming into the shops and be available for sale right now. Main thing I'd say with kangaroo paws is you've got to be very, very good on your snail control. The snails will chew them down to ground level in no time if you're not watching them. Uh, as we know it's spring The weather is starting to warm up even though it's still cool at night we are getting a bit of overnight dew and we do get a little bit of rain but summer is not far away and now is the time it's absolutely critical to be checking your irrigation system because if you leave it for too long and then you turn your irrigation system on when the weather gets really hot and you've got a problem and it's something you can't fix yourself and you need to get a contractor in you'll find you've got a three to four or five or six week wait and that will be a lot of problems for your garden. So get out there, run through every station in your your irrigation system, make sure all the sprinklers are popping up the way they're supposed to be, that there's water coming out of the nozzles, that there's no leaks, that you don't have two stations locking on at the same time and check your controller. Make sure your controller's programmed correctly for the right runtime for the right days and if it has a battery, put a fresh battery in and if you want to update your controller i'd strongly recommend looking at one of the wi-fi controller options they're super easy to use and they do a lot of the programming for you and are great water savers so back to some questions we've got grizz in adelaide what can i do around the yard to deter possums they're eating my conifer and patio palms Well, Grizz, where I live in Rollystone, we get possums as well, and I'd love to know what I can do to deter possums as well. They um, will come into your garden and just eat heaps of different plants. A lot of, they'll eat the leaves off um, things like deciduous trees, they'll eat the flowers off a lot of plants, and obviously they'll eat a lot of fruit. And unfortunately, the only way to really prevent them from damaging your plants is to stop them from being able to get to them. So that might mean netting, or putting up mesh around the trees to stop them from getting to them and putting um, some sort of metal or slippery plastic lining around the trunks of trees so they can't climb up them. It's really the only thing, I've tried a few different things that are supposed to be deterrents for possums and I've never found anything that works really effectively. All I can say is good luck, I feel your pain. Now Lynn has a black beetle grub eating, uh, eating problem through her garden, uh, what can you do that kill the wor- won't kill the worms? Well, if you've got black beetle grubs in your garden, they're very hard to kill without killing the other things in your garden. That's why we quite often don't recommend applying any of those type of uh, insecticides to your soil to kill the grubs. You're better off just making sure your garden is staying really healthy in that your soil's um, well-watered. Well your fertiliser regime keeps your plants well-fed um, so they're, they're nice and healthy and they're not... Um, struggling in other reasons. And um, keep your garden mulched and well-watered in summer, and then your plant should be able to sustain some of the problems caused by having these grubs in your garden. And also, if you're not spraying and you're not using insecticide pests, you tend to get the predators that come in that will eat those grubs, so your birds and those sort of things, and that will help keep the problem to a manageable level. Joe in Canberra wants to know how to stop yellow-crested cockatoos from destroying her flowers, trees and bulbs without using chicka wire or netting. Do I, do I have any natural ideas? Well, I don't know how you're gonna keep them out of your garden without having any sort of deterrent to that st- physical barrier that stops them from getting to your plants. I know the orchards in my area use sonic guns, like really loud, noisy guns that they put off in the mornings to keep the birds off, but I don't think your neighbors would really appreciate that. Um, the only thing I can really, is to to plant some plants that you're happy for, the the cockatoos and those type of birds to eat. And hopefully if they eat more of those, they'll eat less of the garden that you don't want to eat. But I really can't think of anything you can do to stop them from coming into your garden. They are native bird, and they're, they're just looking for something to eat. So there's not much you can really do about it. Jody Ann. Do I believe in the benefits of planting by the moon cycles? I have to say in all honesty i don't i think um the moon cycles with the planting just really links up with a good times to plant anyhow i know a lot of people strongly believe in it and have a lot of success gardening that way so if it works for you do it if it doesn't then don't jenny wants to know the best way to treat transplant a euphorbia with green leaves and yellow flowers well jenny there's A lot of different euphorbias, so I'm not sure of exactly which one you're talking about. Some of them are very, very spiky, so transplanting those ones you need to do with extreme care, protect your eyes and protect your hands from the thorns. Um, All euphorbias have a sap that can be quite um, caustic on your skin, so make sure you're wearing uh, protective glasses because if you get some of that sap in your eyes, it can do some serious damage. Most of them transplant really easily, so it's just a matter of digging them up getting as much of the root system as you can and then potting them into a free-draining potting mix and allowing them to re-establish before you replant them elsewhere in the garden or wherever you want to plant them. Keep in mind there are many of the euphorbia species are particularly bad um, weeds in certain parts of Australia. So just make sure you're not growing and propagating a plant that's a really bad weed because nobody wins from that. Jenny has another question. She has two roses that were growing really well but now appear to be dying. The hubby reckons the dog is peeing on them and do you have any suggestions? Well, if the dog's urinating on your roses, you'll be able to tell by just going up to the roses and smelling the flowers because you won't be able to smell the flowers, you'll be able to smell the wee. And if it's a dog, it's just a matter of either trying to get the dog to... his business somewhere else or keeping that plant particularly well watered and rinsing the the urine off the plant quite regularly Um, the other thing it can be with roses is they suffer from some root diseases so if the soil is um, compacted and not particularly in good condition that can affect the roses from their growth and their habit look for things like scale and um, those type of pests that get onto the plant and just make sure the plant's well watered and well fertilized And also well mulched in summer is really important for roses. James wants to improve the soil in the Fremantle Hilton area. It's very sandy. Yes, James, the soil in Hilton is very sandy, and the best thing you can do to improve it is add some clay. So kaolin clay is my favourite. I've had excellent results from adding kaolin clay to soil, and that's one thing that'll stay in the sand for forever and give you a a long-lasting, forever improvement. And the other thing is compost. A good quality mature mature compost added into the soil will improve your um, water holding capacity, but it'll also encourage a lot of soil microbes and those sort of things to come into your soil, breed up, and they will help improve your soil in the long term. So clay, compost, and keep your soil well mulched. Um, I know all about sandy soils and they can be a lot of work. Glenis in Perth wants to know, what makes broccoli go to seed? Well, there's two reasons broccoli go to seed. One, it's been growing for so long that it's just naturally come to that part of its life cycle where it's setting seed. The other one is the fertiliser and the soil. It hasn't had a good fertiliser regime, so not a complete, well-balanced, regular feed. Uh, It's just bolting to seed because the soil isn't nutrient-rich enough for it. So when you're planting your broccoli, make sure you really improve the soil lots of compost and regular liquid feeding, so they grow strongly and at a reasonable rate. You don't want them growing too fast because then again, they will bulk to seed. Rita has a yellow trumpet plant that she has replanted, but the leaves are falling off. What can she do? Well, Rita, um, you just need to wait a little while for some warm weather. The trumpet trees are uh, warm climate type of plants. So in the colder weather, especially if you've transplanted in colder weather, It will make the leaves drop off, but as soon as the weather warms up and we get into some nice uh, hot summer days, you'll find the new growth will come onto it quite strongly. Just keep it well watered if we do have some warm weather. Don't let it dry out and I'm sure it'll recover. They're incredibly tough plants. Rachel, can I put chicken manure from my chooks into my garden? Um, Absolutely. Uh, I use the chicken manure from my own chickens at home in my garden. Uh, I also whack it into the compost. It's a great addition to your compost. Just don't put too much down at one time and water it in really well when you use it. A lot of people do prefer to collect their chicken manure and allow it to age a little bit before they put it into the garden. It just takes a bit of the sting out of it and that's a really good idea as well. But whenever you add chicken manure, any of those sort of fertilizers that do have a bit of extra nitrogen into them, it's a really good idea to water it in really well when you put it out. That's it for for today's episode of The Garden Gurus, thanks for for joining us, thanks for putting up with me. The Garden Gurus is back this weekend so make sure sure you check your local TV guides, you can listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Podbeam. We'll see you here next week at 12 pm Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. I
1: dig, 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 digging around. Dig, 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 digging the ground. I got my spade, I got my hole I got my rake, and I'm
0: ready to go. The Garden Gurus is back on your TV this weekend. Now, we know that this can be a little bit confusing, so listen carefully, folks. We're on 9 and 9 HD for New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and the Northern Territory on Saturday at 12.30pm. For South Australia and Tasmania, we'll be on your screens on Saturdays at 4.30pm. And for those in WA, tune in Sundays at 5.30pm. And on Nine Life across all states, you can watch the Garden Gurus team every Saturday from tomorrow at 5 p.m.
1: Dig, I dig, dig, dig in the ground. I'm feeling good in the ground. I got my speed, I got my hole, I got my rig, and I'm ready to go.
0: Digging
1: around.